Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Pursuit. I'm your host, Ben Spangle. At The Pursuit, we're all about helping you in your best body, mind, spirit, and life. And I have been looking forward to our guest today. I, um, I, Bob has helped me in my career immensely, so I'm so excited for you to get to hear from him. I want to do a proper introduction. Uh, Bob, for over 30 years, has been teaching, training, and helping entrepreneurs, leaders, salespeople, uh, and more how to communicate their value and really grow their businesses and help them succeed at high levels. If uh, I think if you're probably in sales or business, you're probably already familiar with Bob and his work. And if you haven't, if you aren't part of me, then you're going to love hearing today. I know for me personally, I was telling Bob earlier, but his book, Endless Referrals, made such an impact on my life. And then later on, I found out about The Go-Giver. Endless Referrals ended up on my desk first. And uh, I know you have a lot more resources you've done too, but just to give you guys an idea of the go-giver, it's sold over a million copies, over a million. It's been translated into over 30 languages. I mean, it's been rated as one of the top most motivational books written and on HubSpot's highly rated sales book of all time. So Bob, thank you so much for the time. I'm really excited about today. Oh, my pleasure, Ben. Thank you. I've heard great things about you and it's just, I've uh, been very much looking forward to this. Me too. Me too. It's uh, an honor to have you. Um, so let's let's give our audience, for those that don't know, tell us a bit about the Go-Giver way. What is a Go-Giver? <laughs> yeah. So the Go-Giver itself is just a series of books that uh, are co-authored with John David Mann. Uh, three of the books in the series are parables. So they're short stories. Uh, and really, the, the, the basic premise is very simple. It's that shifting your focus, and this is really where it all begins, uh, shifting your focus from getting to giving. Now, when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing immense value to others, understanding that doing so is not only a more um, uh, uh, fulfilling way of doing business, mm. it's also the most financially profitable way mm. as well. And, you know, Ben, it's not for any kind of way out there, woo-woo, magical, mystical reasons. It actually makes very rational, very logical sense. When you're that person who can take your focus off of yourself and place it on serving others, discovering what they need, what they want, what they desire, when you can move the focus off yourself and onto helping them solve their challenges and their problems, right? When you can move from a focus on yourself to a focus on bringing others closer to happiness, well, people feel good about you. They feel great about you. They want to get to know you. They like you. They trust you. They want to be in relationship with you. They want to do business with you, but they also want to tell others about you. They want to be your personal walking ambassador. So those people who have that focus on giving that value and also make themselves open to receiving, those are who we would we would describe as go-givers. Mm, amazing. Amazing. I love that. And I, I don't know this part of your story. When did you first kind of come into this philosophy and how did it come about for you? Well, you know, I was I was raised by two really great people. So, uh, you know, I was very lucky and, and the same with my co-author, John David Mann, great parents as well. And so so we we both grew up with this sort of philosophy of life, if you will, just from what we observe. But, uh, you know, obviously, as you get into business and you see people doing things in different ways and some are positive and some are negative and see some some things don't seem right and yet seem to kind of work for a while and others don't. And then you see. But over time, you start to see patterns. Mm. And what I saw and what John said the same was that over time, what we noticed is those people who are the most sustainably successful people 
okay? Which doesn't mean it had to take them a long time. It just means once they uh, reached a level of real great success, okay, financially, as well as the other areas, but here we're talking financially, they were able to sustain it. And those people who did always had these five basic elements about them. They they tapped into these five laws of what we call stratospheric success in the story. And, and they all did it. Now, and this is from you know from for as long as there've ever been market market um economies but they didn't always know they were doing it right if you read the histories of them if you read the bios and the autobiographies they didn't always know they were doing into this but they were either consciously or unconsciously tapping into these these five laws now at, at the time it's just what john and i observed we didn't put them in terms of laws that didn't happen until we we got together and we started asking ourselves when writing the story okay what is it that successful people do mm. you know and you know john and i have both been entrepreneurs i had a lot of failures a lot of successes but john's also as a writer he has interviewed some of the most successful people in the world as a speaker over the last 30 years i've gotten to appear on stage with some of the most successful and we both interview people all the time, informal interviews, but we're always asking questions. Mm-hmm. And we've both studied success, and this is really what we came up with. And that's that's really how it uh, how it how it came about. Amazing, amazing. I uh, I love how you say you you both studied success. And I remember Jim Rohn uh, in his great work work where he said, "If you want to be successful, study success. You want to be wealthy, study wealth. You want to be healthy, exactly. study health." That's right. And, and um, you know, it's such a powerful thing. So you briefly talked about the five laws. Can we just touch on them briefly? I know if you haven't read sure. the book, get the book, but yeah. No, it's okay. Uh, I'd be delighted. Uh, so the five laws themselves are the laws of value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. The law of value says your true worth is determined by how much more you give in value than you take in payment. Now, when you first hear that, it sounds a little counterintuitive, right? Uh, give more in value than I take in payment. That sort of sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy, right? Mm-hmm. So we simply have to understand the difference between price and value. Price is a dollar figure. It's a dollar amount. It's finite. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. Value, on the other hand, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it about this thing? Uh, what is it about this product, this service, this concept, this idea that brings so much so much uh, worth, Ben, or value to another human being that they will willingly exchange their money for it and be glad they did while you make a very healthy profit. A very, very quick example, and just really a surface example, mm-hmm. is the accountant who you hire to do your taxes, and she charges you $1,000. Uh, that's her 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 fee, literally her price, $1,000. But mm-hmm. what value does she give you in exchange? Well, through her years of study and practice, from her, her, her desire to get to know you and your business and how what you want to accomplish, She's able to save you $5,000 in taxes. Mm. She also saves you countless hours of time. And she provides you and your family with the security and the peace of mind of knowing it was done correctly. So she actually gave you well over $5,000 in value in exchange for a $1,000 fee or price. She gave you more in value than she took in payment. You feel great about it. She also made a very good profit because to her, it was well worth it to exchange her time, her energy, her expertise for this thousand dollars. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So both of you came out ahead. Now, one of the great things, one of the most vital things, and I learned this from a mentor of mine named Harry Brown years ago, who said in any free market-based exchange, and when I say free market, I simply mean no one's forced to do business with anyone else, right? In any free market-based exchange, there should always be two profits, the buyer profits and the seller profits, because each of them come away better off afterwards than they were beforehand. Mm-hmm. which is what happened with you and your accountant. Now, the, but this happened not because her focus was on her fee. Her focus was on providing you with an immensely valuable experience. Mm. The money was the result. This is why John and I say that money is simply an echo of value. Mm-hmm. Money is an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning, meaning nothing more than that the value must be your focus, the value you provide another person. The money you receive is simply a natural result of the value you've provided. Hmm. So uh, I'll go faster on the other laws, but sure. that that's kind of a foundational you know, principle right there. The, oh, go ahead. I was. What, what do you think prevents people from putting more value into the work they're doing and what they're providing for people. Well, I think sometimes they don't know what the value is for another person. And this is why you'll have someone say, well, oh, but I, but I give so much value and it doesn't seem to be appreciated. Well, remember value is always in the eyes of the beholder. Mm. It's the relative worth or desirability, right? So, so, you know, if, if we're thinking, oh, well, I think this is a value. I think this person should think this is a value but they don't necessarily because they're not you and they're not me, mm-hmm. right? So that's why asking questions and listening, really listening is is so important because we can only communicate value when we understand what that other person values. Mm. That makes a lot of sense for sure. Yeah. So law number two is the law of compensation. And this one says your income is determined by how many people you serve and how well you serve them. So where law number one says to give more in value than you take in payment, law number two tells us that the more people whose lives you touch with the exceptional value you provide, the more money with which you'll be rewarded. In the first example, your accountant did a magnificent job of giving you more in value than she took in payment. So you feel great about her. You would use her again and you'd probably refer her to others. Mm-hmm. Well, her other clients feel the same way. And, uh, and you know, so, and so she's really amassing an army of what we call personal walking ambassadors. Mm. And as she continues to add that kind of exceptional value to the lives of more and more people, her income will continue to grow and grow. You know, in the story, Nicole Martin, the CEO, told Joe, the protege, that value represents your potential income. But it's not enough to serve one person, no matter how great the value is. Mm -hmm. Uh, Compensation equals what you actually, you know, your actual income, right? So we could say exceptional value plus significant reach equals very high compensation. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. Uh, Law number three is the law of influence. This says your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Um, Now, uh, you know, again, this one sounds 
kind of productive at best and you know maybe downright pollyanna-ish at worst but you know they when you think about it the greatest leaders top influencers the most sustainably successful salespeople, top money earners this is how they run their lives and conduct their business they're always looking out for the other person's interest now let me qualify this if i if i may because i think it can be very easily misunderstood and I, and it's too important to be mm-hmm. When we say place the other person's interests first, we don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr Mm -hmm. or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding as Joe, the protege in the story, learned from several of the mentors, the golden rule of business of sales says that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know like, and trust. Mm -hmm. And there's no faster, more powerful, or more effective way to elicit those feelings toward you from others than by, again, as we talked about earlier, genuinely moving from that I focus or me focus to an other focus. Uh, Making, as uh, Sam, one of the mentors, explained to Joe, making your win all about the other person's win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I got a great question. I'm curious about this. So say someone's early in their career, they're not super successful yet financially, business-wise, and it's and they're kind of stuck in that place that I need to make money. What are right. some of the things you've noticed where you've helped them come to the realization of what you're teaching, but yeah. to get them out of that, I just got to make money. Yeah, well, and that's a great question, Ben, because one of the big questions, you know, one of the big thoughts that people have as well, you know, this go-giver idea, yeah, it's great, you know, put the other person's first, like a them, yeah, I really like that. Now, I'll do that after I have the money and don't need it anymore. But right now, I mean, I really need the money. So I've got to go in and focus on that. So focus on the money, right? Okay, well, mm-hmm. first, let's understand a very basic principle of human nature. And that is this, nobody but nobody is going to buy from you because you need the money. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. They're not going to buy from you because you have a quota to meet or because, or just because you're a really nice person. They're going to buy from you because they believe that ultimately they'll be better off by doing so than by not doing so. So with that in mind, let's walk our, our salesperson who has that, that concern, let's walk them through it. And let's, in this case, we're going to make me the salesperson and you the prospective customer, okay? And, you know, again, I need the money now. I forget this go-giver stuff for right now. I need the money now, okay? Mm -hmm. So now, so we're about to do a presentation and we sit down and I'm going to start asking you questions, but, you know... Ben, I'm not really asking you questions because I really want to understand what's going on with you. I'm asking you questions because I've been taught to ask questions because that will help me to kind of sharp angle you into a close later on. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not really, you know, getting to know all about you before I start really talking about my stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you have an objection, I'm a little tiny bit defensive about it because, Well, this objection of yours, Ben, is standing in the way of my money that I need. Mm -hmm. And so, but, you know, I've learned the the responses so that I can overcome your objection. And and, and I answer that on a surface level and I run through it. And yeah, you know, and you kind of understand it, but yeah. And then I'm, I'm closing early and I'm closing often. And by the time I get down to that real, you know, question about the, the, you know, the close, well, you know, 
if I had to ask you, you know, just looking at that as an outsider, are you more likely or less likely to buy from me at that point? Chances probably not that you yeah. have that real trust and good, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do for sure. Now, but let's take the same situation now. And again, I'm the sales guy. And again, I still, I need the money. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to deny that in myself because successful people deal in truths, right? We don't try to deny things. I'm also not going to deny my self-interest. And you know how I know I'm self-interested? Because I'm a human being. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how we are right now. But again, that's a truth, but it doesn't mean we have to get stuck on that. doesn't mean we have to act out of that. So when I'm not going to deny my self-interest, but what I am going to do is I'm going to put it to the side. I'm going to suspend my self-interest and I'm going to place my focus on you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I go in there and I'm asking you questions, but it's obvious from the start. I'm asking questions because I really want to know the answer. I want to know what's driving you. I want to know what's motivating you. I want to know what you need, what you want, what you desire. And I want to know why, because that's going to help me to know if there's, if there's a fit. Um, I'm also going to understand that because we come from two different worlds, two different sets of beliefs, two whatever, uh, I'm going to clarify. I'm going to ask clarifying questions. I'm not going to assume that because you say X, that I define X the same way you define X, because I might not, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to ask tactfully, you know, Ben, just to make sure I'm understanding correctly, when you say X, um, how do you, right? And I'm going to, right, we're going to dig deep. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm, I'm only going to, share the benefits of my product or service after I'm persuaded that I know what you need, want, and desire, right? Mm-hmm. When you have an objection, I'm going to welcome that objection, okay? Um, because because if you have an objection, it means there's something going on that you need to know about to feel comfortable. And the sale's probably not going to happen if you don't feel comfortable with it, right? But also, it's just the right way to be for you to feel comfortable, but I'm not going to just give a standard answer to a standard objection because that objection may not even be an actual objection. It might be that you just, you're feeling something's not quite right. And so you kind of throw out the first thing objection that comes to your mind. So what I'm going to do is rather than try to overcome the objection, instead, we're going to work together within the correct context of the objection Mm -hmm. in order that we both understand what it is, the root of the objection for you. So we both understand that. Then we're going to work through it together in order to advance the sale. Now, by the time I ask you to take action on this, I'm simply asking you to act on something you've already told me that you want to do. Now, let's go back to that question. At this point, are you more likely or, you know, assuming the product is a fit for you, are you more likely or less likely to have the trust in me that I have your well-being at heart and more likely to buy? Yeah. Sure. And so so that's why, you know, being a go-giver isn't something you do after you're successful. It's the way you get successful. I love it. That's such a such a great answer to that. I think it's so powerful too, is that even one of the things I like to do and have done for years is before a meeting, how can I serve? How can I help this person to prime your mm-hmm. state? Because I think what you're saying too, Bob, is that some people in business and sales, they got all the right words, but the feeling mm-hmm. behind it is no genuine interest in the other. Absolutely. Person. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think so much of what we do, we're all emotional creatures is how do I feel? Oh, right on. Yeah. My experience. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That's great. So the next law. Yeah. Next law is the law of authenticity. And this one says the most valuable gift you have to offer is yourself. Um, In this part of the story, the mentor, Deborah, uh, Deborah Davenport, she shared a very important lesson she learned. And that is all the skills in the world, the sales skills, technical skills, people skills, as important as they are. And they are all indeed very, very important. They're also all for naught if you don't come at it, as you were just saying a few minutes ago, from your true authentic core, right? But when you do, when you show up as yourself day after day, week after week, month after month, people feel good about you. They feel comfortable with you. They feel safe with you. And why wouldn't they, right? They know who they're they're getting. Mm-hmm. And this kind of consistency, which is a function of authenticity, this kind of consistency is very important when it comes to establishing, building, and maintaining trust. Because remember, we live in an inconsistent world. People are one way one day, another way another day, yet people want consistency. They they want to be able to make sense of a very nonsensical world sometimes. Hmm. So So that's why that person who shows up as themselves is really so far ahead of the game because people know what to expect. Now, with that in mind, I I do believe that a lot of people these days, and I I think this is really because uh, because of with everything on social media and the internet, that the term authenticity has come to mean something different from what I think it really actually means. Mm -hmm. It, It seems these days authenticity means no boundaries. Just get up there and do and say whatever I want, because at least as long as I'm being authentic, well, you know, a person can be an authentic jerk. Okay, that doesn't mean it's a good (laughs) thing. Right. And so, you know, this is the person who says, well, I have anger issues and I yell at people a lot. And if I were to act any differently, that wouldn't be authentic of me. Hmm. That's baloney. That's malarkey. That simply means that person has an authentic problem uh, (laughs) that that person needs to authentically work on. Yeah in order to become a better, higher, more effective, authentic version of themselves. So, so yeah. you know, we should never use authenticity as an excuse for, for not growing, but instead using use it as impetus and motivation to grow into our, our best self. You know, my, my definition of, of authenticity is very simple. I'm a simple guy, right? Mm-hmm. So my definitions are usually simple. I define authenticity as acting congruently, with your values. Mm. That's it. Acting congruently with your values. If you're doing that, you're authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that um, today, I mean, there's there's people that are certainly very authentic. I mean, everyone is in some areas, right? Mm-hmm. And then I think sometimes people struggle with being who they really want to be out of fear of being rejected or not liked or whatever it may be. And I'm just curious, your perspective on what's a tip or two in terms of if you're not feeling that way yourself, how can you show up more as the authentic yeah. you? Well, I think also some people put on an act of being authentic by doing things they normally wouldn't do because it seems more authentic. Mm-hmm. You know? So, so I think in going to your question, it's just be yourself. Uh, you know, I mean, the, it's not a lot more complicated than that. Now, you're able to do that the more confidence you have. 
Mm-hmm. You have more confidence when you practice more and you study more and you learn more and you place yourself in a position of of feeling good about yourself and feeling confident. With by the way, it doesn't mean we don't all have those issues when we're not confident in those those right. times. Right. We all go through that, of course. But by and large, to the degree that you're prepared and ready and competent, that's the degree to which you're going to have more confidence. And to the degree you have more confidence, that's the degree you can show up authentically. Why wouldn't you? Authentic people yeah, are typically yeah. authentic and uh, truly authentic people are usually competent. Yeah, I love that. One of one of my favorite mentors is Bob Proctor. And- uh, well, you know, he was he was kind of the the model for Pindar mm. in The Go-Giver. Okay, I did you know, not we know pic- that. Yeah, we pictured the, you know, we pictured Bob. He was that kind of elegant stately guy with you know what i'm saying with the yep. hair and the yep. the the voice and he was just such a nice wonderful giving sharing human being all about prosperity for all yes. uh so yeah he was he was our model for for pindar that's amazing i didn't know yeah. that. that's incredible mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and i i with him some of my favorite stuff that he ever taught was the idea of just be who you want to be yeah you know yeah truly be <laughs> you only yeah. got one life be who you want to be like one of my favorite books, which is uh, The Science of Getting Rich by yes. Wallace D. Waddles, written in 1910. I yeah. first got the book from Bob Proctor that Bob did a publication of it. It was in green. It's so destroyed by now because I've read it so many times. So yeah. this is yeah. a, this is actually a newer version, but it's actually a retro version that they that they put out. But but yeah, Bob's the one who introduced me to uh, to uh, Wallace uh, Waddles. Yeah, likewise, I got my copy right over here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh. Well, that's so great. that's um that's four laws. You want to go the the last one? Yeah, I do. This one's actually to me. I'm excited about this one. I got a question for you after on it. Sure. Yeah, uh, this is the law of receptivity, yeah. and the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open, yeah, to receiving. Well, you know, this means really nothing more than understanding that. Yeah, you breathe out. You also have to breathe in. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not one or the other. You breathe out carbon dioxide. You breathe in oxygen. You breathe out, which is giving. You breathe in, which is receiving. Giving and receiving are not opposite concepts, but the world around us doesn't tell us that. That's right. The world around us is absolutely, ap- Ben, it's absolutely filled with anti prosperity messages. Mm. And we hear it from, you know, with most people from the time we're born through upbringing and environment and schooling and news media and television shows and social media and everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you think, gosh, somebody makes a lot of money. They had, they must have hurt someone to do it or built yeah. it on the backs of others or, you know, well, yeah. it's a big world. There's people who do bad things. But for anyone who operates in a market-based system where, again, no one's forced to do business with them, the only way, the only way they can make a lot of money is to serve a lot of people with wonderful value, placing the other person's interests first, coming at it from a a core of authenticity, and then being able to receive. But, you know, we said giving and receiving, they're not opposite sides. They're, They're two sides of the very same coin and they work in tandem. So it's not, are you a giver or a receiver? No, it's you're a giver and Mm-hmm. a receiver but here's what you know you know that the giving has to come first mm. because that's universal law and of course there was no better teacher of laws than than bob proctor and mm-hmm. and you know what bob famously said with any universal law you can embrace it right or you can ignore it what you can never do is alter it mm. and so so um 
there are laws of of nature, physical nature, uh, economic nature, human nature. But you know, so let's take let's take one one law: you, you sow before you reap. Mm-hmm. Never works the other way, not sustainably. We plant <clears throat> before we harvest. Yeah, we give before we receive. Mm-hmm. Pindar early in the story tells Joe, he says, you know, some people go up to a fireplace with the attitude of first give me some heat and some fire, then I'll throw on some logs and light a match and you know the whole right. Well, life doesn't work that way. Yeah. And you ignore that at your peril. But once you've done those things and you've given, now you've got to be able to get past those horrible messages from the world around us, those anti-prosperity messages. Mm-hmm. Study the works of Bob Proctor, of David Nagel, one of his protégés, mm-hmm. of Randy Gage, of Sharon Lecter, of Ellen Rogan, of Ken Honda. There are so many wonderful people out there who speak, write, post, do videos, whatever, uh, on, on prosperity. And 99% of what they talk about is the mental game, mm-hmm. getting past those blocks, right? Mm-hmm. So I think we need to make a study of prosperity because we've got to be able to allow ourselves to receive. <clears throat> and if if we see the world as being one where there is a duality, a treacherous dichotomy between giving and receiving, <clears throat> we'll never allow ourselves to receive as we should. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, this is my favorite law for many reasons. I, I love the study of prosperity. And I feel like for a lot of people, it's probably, I'm curious your thoughts on it. As I look at the five laws, I think it's one that a lot of people struggle a lot with is Absolutely. feeling, feeling worthy to receive. And, you know, another mm-hmm. great prosperity mentor of mine was Harv Ecker. And I'll oh. never, never forget when sure. he talked about the idea of the question of worthiness and how there's no got upstairs stamping a baby worthy not worthy worthy not worthy right. what what do you see as some of the obstacles there's what you talked about the worldviews of how it is but why more people don't feel worthy to receive sure and you have one of my favorite books back there uh, secrets of the millionaire mind by t harvecker it's it's one of my favorites and he had some wonderful wonderful valuable uh information in there mm-hmm. uh i think the main reason is um Everything the world around us teaches us about prosperity and abundance, which is that it's wrong. <laughs> um, my friend Randy, Randy Gage, one of the great prosperity uh, mentors and teachers, he has this wonderful vignette, if you ever get a chance to, to listen to it, about movies and about how in, in, in most major movies, especially the ultra successful ones, there are always basically two types of people. Right. There are the the good people who are generally portrayed as struggling. They're poor, right? But they're honest and hardworking and they're happy. Right. Yeah. That's one type. And that type is always being stepped on, stepped over, stepped around, pushed down, pushed over by who? The rich people yeah. who are greedy and horrible and terrible and consciousless and they have no soul. Right. And yeah. you see that all the time and once you're aware of it especially once you go through his vignette you can't you can't unsee it in any movie but he 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 talks about this great line it's a horrible line but it's great in that it makes the point in the first spider-man movie where um uh or uh peter parker's on the on the couch with his his sweet uncle ben and 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 they're talking about you know their finances and everything and 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 he asks why they're so poor and uncle ben says well peter 
We may be poor, but at least we're honest. Mm. What an absolutely horrendous line mm-hmm. for some some young boy or girl, a teenager to to hear, to watch, to listen right. to. Because yeah. what's the underlying premise of that statement? Yeah. That if you are if you are honest, you are probably gonna be poor. There's not sure. much hope for you because honest people are poor. Yeah. And yeah. if but if you're rich, you're you probably, probably are not honest. Now, here's the problem. You go through your life with a, a high, let's say your parents have instilled a high value system in you of being honest. That's your highest value maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Well, now you're in a position where you start making some money. You're adding a lot of value to people's lives. The money's starting to come. Well, what's going through your head? Not on a conscious level. That would be okay because you could deal with that. Mm-hmm. But on an unconscious level. Peter Parker, and by the way, it's not just that movie. It's pretty much every movie, every TV show, all the movie, everywhere you see, (laughs) teachers in school, right? Every, every, right? Telling you the same thing. Well, now it's, well, but but I don't get it. What what did I do? Did I do something wrong? What are people going to think of me? And blah, blah, blah. Does this mean I'm really not a good person? And then, um, you know, so if that's the way you see the world, you know, one of my other favorite books, and excuse me for turning my back. Sure. Psycho Cybernetics by Dr. Maxwell Maltz, uh, published back in 1960. It was the first book of this is I read this in the 80s. Mm-hmm. First book I read that really showed me how the way we see the world, our belief system, our subjective truths about the world, how it what would Bob Proctor called paradigms. Yeah, yeah you know that, right? Yeah. That this is how we're gonna act within our world, mm-hmm. and we can never accomplish more than our most limiting belief. Mm. Right. And so and so that's why, you know, that's why the issue of the of, uh, of prosperity is is so difficult for so many people. I can't tell you how many people read The Go-Giver and wrote back and said, this is the first book I've read that said, you know, first story I've ever read that said, yes, it's OK to make a lot of money, mm-hmm. you know, so long as you provided value first. Mm-hmm. And so right, and uh and I, it was a great compliment, but it shouldn't be that way. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, it's part of what makes it stand out too, right? Is it uh, gives such incredible advice. And I love, love your answer on that. And you can tell you're a massive student of prosperity <laughs> and teacher. It's, it's amazing. Um, we're coming to the end here. This has been amazing. Thank you. And uh, everybody, I know you're loving this. You can connect with Bob. Go to his website, berg.com. That's the best place to get information. But you mentioned um, there's an email, a daily email. Do you want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, uh, it's a yeah, it's called Daily Impact, and we send it out. It's five, five days a week. Okay, um, and it's just a short message uh, to kind of get the day off in the right spot uh, with uh, encouragement and uh, uh, and some how to in there. It just depends. Kind of mix it up a little bit, but it's there for to kind of help you, give you something, give you give you something to think about and keep you energized and motivated and inspired throughout the day. So. Uh, we really just love that and love the letters we receive from people about that. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time, Bob. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. I know you love this episode. Make sure to share it with at least one person. When you do, tag Bob, tag myself. And if you're new to the show, click that subscribe button. We'll have in the show notes a link to Bob's daily email there as well. And Bob, just in closing, question for you. It's at the time of the recording, it's a new year. Mm -hmm. If you could give people one tip, they want to make this year the best year of their lives. 
what would you want to say to them? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I think when it comes right down to it, it's always asking yourself that question, whether you're online or in person or whatever, is what I'm about to say or do or write or post or tweet or whatever, is this likely to add value to my intended target? You know, whoever I'm writing, speaking, thing, whatever. And if the answer is yes, go ahead. And if it's no, then don't do it. Amazing. What a great <laughs> philosophy. Yeah. It, it lived by. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today, Bob. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure.